And also don't be afraid that like, you know, this may be a, a great position on paper, but if you're in there in the interview and it's not for you, then it's just not for you. It's time to move on. I'm so glad that you said that, Amber, because, you know, I can really speak to that. I know what it's like to be in a job where you are so desperate to leave. Like, I know what it's like to work in an environment that's caused you work-related depression. Like, I've literally gone through that where I just kind of lost all motivation. Like, I remember calling multiple friends and colleagues, like, almost in tears, being like, I need to get out of this job. I know that it is so harmful for me. Like, I don't even recognize myself. Hey everybody, this is Amber Key and you're listening to a Bright Idea podcast, a show that sits down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moment that launched their businesses. Today, we're back for part two of our conversation with Sania El Amin, founder of Flynanced. If you didn't tune into last week's episode, pause this one and go back and listen to part one because Sania's career journey and how it led to her launching Flynanced is worth the listen. Flynanced is a community-led platform that provides proprietary curriculum to teach financial literacy and career development. Before we start this episode, I wanted to hop on the mic real quick and explain why this episode is so important to tune into. At the time of this episode dropping, it will almost be the time for September Surge. The September surge is when companies pick up in the hiring and recruiting process as teams need to use up the budgets before the end of the year. This time is between Labor Day and around Halloween. Sania talks a lot about the surge on her page, which you can find by going to Flynanced on Instagram. She also has workshops available on her website, and I'd encourage all of you to take one of her courses. Throughout this episode, you'll hear personalized questions from some of our listeners on career advice. I'm so excited for what you guys are all about to hear, so pull out your notebooks and lock in because the special edition of A Bright Idea Podcast starts now. This is the fun part of the episode, but I actually reached out to a few of our mutual followers to see if they had questions for you. (laughs) Okay, I love that. Hi, Sunia, this is Kayla. I work in the news and I have a question. How do you know when it's time to leave your current job and find a new one? Oh, I love this question. How do you know when it's time to leave? So I really think that there are a couple things that could be happening at your current job that could be indications that that's no longer a place that serves you. Uh, One, if you feel like your responsibility and your role is changing without cause, right? So I've worked jobs before where it just seemed like all of a sudden I'm not leading the same meetings that I was leading. I'm not working on the same projects I was working and, you know, I'm not getting feedback that it's because of my performance. It seems like there's something else at play that could sometimes be a sign that things are shifting and maybe leadership is trying to figure out, you know, other ways that you can add value to the team. And sometimes with that, that also could mean that potentially, you know, your role could be seen as on the chopping block. I know I've been in in that position before. I think number two, anytime you're working a job where your mental health is taking a hit because of toxic workplace environment or toxic bosses, um, or really just an environment that just doesn't serve you and you know that you're not being your best self, that is a clear indication to leave. And I know for myself, I've stayed at jobs longer than I needed to when I knew things were toxic because I felt like, oh, I, if I just hold on a little bit longer until I get my bonus or I just 
hold a little bit longer till this project ends. And that almost always is a bad idea. If you're already struggling with your mental health because of work, um, really evaluate why it's important for you to stay and realize that nothing matters if your mental health or health overall is going to suffer. I think number three, um, and this is probably something that's a little bit more insidious, um, but I think if you can kind of see for yourself that the direction of your team and your company's objectives no longer fit in line with the role that you're playing on that team, that could also be a sign that it's time to seek out other opportunities. So in my own example, you know, before I was laid off at PayPal, I kind of had a feeling that my job was becoming obsolete, right? I could look at what our new year objectives were, and I was only playing like a really small part in what was the big, the big activities on the team, right? So that, to me, I knew I was in a vulnerable spot. I knew that, hey, if something happens organizationally, even if it isn't a mass layoff, my job is probably going to be in jeopardy because my team is kind of already showing me that the team is going in a direction that's different than the role that I'm playing. So I think those are some of the three ways, but I think our intuitions are so on point. And I think sometimes we know that these jobs no longer serve us, or we know that there's, that there's no more that we can learn in an organization. And that's always, that's always a, a good sign. Um, I guess the fourth one that I would then say, I just thought of it is if you're working a job where you feel like you're not growing professionally, you're not growing in terms of skills, it's like a job you feel like you can do in your sleep or you've kind of worked across so many different departments that's like, hey, I feel like there's nothing more that I can learn here. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I think sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I'm so comfortable here. Why would I leave? But if you're not being stretched, especially if you are, you know, in your prime working years, that could be a disservice that you're doing for your career and for your money. So I would say that those are the four, four main red flags that it might be time to look elsewhere. And just remember that leaving is not like a bad thing, right? Like, one job is not supposed to sustain us for our entire career. So think of it as, hey, I'm going to make this jump to be able to grow additional skills, grow my network, work on different projects, work with different people. Um, and think of it that way. Think of it in a more positive way. Hi, Cynia. My name is Shekinah, and I'm a video editor for a news station. And I have two questions for you. My first question is... What are some questions we should ask our potential employer during the interview process? And what is the best way to negotiate salary and benefits? <laughs> I love these questions. So when it comes to interviewing, great questions to ask. You know, I always love to ask questions about the role, about the culture, and of course, compensation. But when you ask these questions matters in terms of who you're actually speaking to. So I like to think of it in terms of the different rounds of your interviews kind of dictate which questions to ask and are the right fit for those interviews. So in a first round interview, you're probably talking to someone in HR, you're talking to someone who might be the recruiter, the diversity sourcer, pretty much that initial contact who's making a decision to say, yep, this person is worth bringing to our interview cycle. Those are the best people to ask about compensation, about the process, right? What's the next step in the process? Or hey, I see that the salary posted for this role is eighty-five dollars to $105,000. How are candidate salaries going to be determined within this role? Or, hey, I actually don't see the salary posted at all. Can you give me more insights on what is going to be the target salary for, for this role, right? Um, those are great questions to ask. Great questions to ask about benefits, right? Can you walk me through the typical compensation package for this role? Um, what can I expect in terms of benefits, right? These are all great questions to ask in that initial role because you don't want to wait until it's the final round interview and then you realize, 
I have no idea what this role pays. I have no idea what the bonus structure is, right? Um, and these are not questions that you want to necessarily bring to that hiring manager or, you know, senior person on the team because you really want to focus your attention elsewhere in those com- in those conversations. So that would be my first tip. In the second round interview, you're probably talking to either the hiring manager or your direct peers, the people that you're going to be working closely with. So I love to ask questions about culture, about fit, and about leadership style. So asking your, your you know, the person who's going to be, that you're going to be working under, tell me about your management style. Um, you know, I, I would love to kind of learn more about your leadership style when it comes to, you know, employees not, uh, you know, not performing at the way that you kind of understand how, you know, how do you mentor and direct um, your, your direct reports? Like those kind of questions really just kind of like get them to kind of tell you, well, if things aren't going the way that I want them to go, this is how I'm going to react, right? That can tell you a lot about their management style without them kind of telling you like the PC answer. Um, I also love to ask questions about culture. Like, hey, like, you know, say you have a child, for example, like, okay, like picking up my daughter from, from you know, school is really important to me. And I, I know that I need to be there by 6 p.m. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about the culture on the team in terms of work-life balance and logging off like at work, right? Um, those are questions that you can ask too, right? You know, I talk a lot about unlimited PTO, right? If you are interviewing with a company that offers unlimited PTO at a company level, ask the people in your second round interview, like, oh, I see unlimited PTO is a benefit. Can you tell me how often the team actually takes time off, right? Like it's one thing for a company benefit to be promoted. It's another thing when you're on a team and then realize, oh, none of these people actually take time off. So that's probably not going to be a good cultural fit for me if I'm someone who values my time away from work, et cetera. And then, of course, starting to ask questions about the role, right? As you're learning about the role, asking questions around like, well, how much, you know, how much direct exposure will I have to these people? Or, you know, what's expected of me in the first 90 days within my role, right? Starting to ask questions about like kind of how, how they kind of see you adding value to the team is always great. And then those final round interviews, you're probably going to be talking to senior level people. I think it's always important to just ask big picture questions. They, they're they probably not the people that are going to be in the weeds with you day to day, but they're the people that can kind of go direct, direction on where the team's headed. So you might ask some questions like, can you talk to me a little bit about like, what are the what are the year's objectives and how does my role fit into the overall team objectives? Or, you know, what's your stance on diversity and inclusion? I saw that the company XYZ, you know, put out this press release on, you know, this topic, and this is really important to me. Um, you know, what's your stance on this? Or, you know, you could ask them, are you involved in any, you know, employee resource groups? Like, how do you think about developing talent outside of this team, right? Those are the type of questions that you want to ask, because again, if you're someone who values your own personal development and learning and you know you want to be someone who, you know, interacts with other teams outside of your direct team, and then you have a manager who sees things a really different way or a senior level person who sees things a bit differently, that might be a point of, of conflict. So I think being able to kind of ask those questions. Um, but I think throughout the interview process, it's really important to think about what you need and value most in a role and ask those questions. Like, don't just feel like, oh, I need to ask like the stereotypical questions. Ask the questions that matter most to you. Um, but I hope that helps. Now, the second question around negotiating a salary and benefits, I will always say this, and this is true to any salary negotiation. Remember that salary negotiation is not a conflict, it's not a confrontation. This is a mutual agreement between two parties to come to the best possible outcome. The job wants to hire you and you want to get hired, right? So I think once we kind of shed the idea that, oh my God, I need to be, I got to feel like I'm coming in guns blazing in a salary negotiation, that's not the case, right? 
Selling negotiation is about taking as much info as you can gather and leveraging at the right time to get the best outcome for you and your compensation, period. So how do you do that? Well, it really starts in the first round interview. That's why I mentioned in a previous answer, you should be asking in the first round interview all your compensation questions. Ask all of the questions. This is not the time to be afraid to ask those questions. Ask them everything as it relates to compensation benefits. Like if you have any questions around well, do they offer equity? Well, what is the vacation policy? Like get all of those questions answered or ask them if they have a link that lays out these benefits because this is gonna be super important to then be able to take when you get that verbal offer to say, hey, well, if I know that this role is paying hundred dollars to $125,000 and they've given me an offer that's only 105, I know that there's now potentially $20,000 that is unaccounted for. That gives you That gives you now some insight to know I can potentially negotiate for more, or maybe I'm not at the middle range for this role. Um, so that just means there's money on the left on the table. Um, so that's my first point. My first point is it begins in the first round interview, ask all of the questions. I think also between first and final round interviews, it's up to you to also be trying to network with people outside of this immediate team. So see who in your network might work at this company because no one's gonna give you better insight to what a company really pays than a current employee. They probably have access to information that you're not privy to. And a lot of times when I've been able to negotiate with companies I've never worked for, it's because I was able to ask a friend or a peer or an associate, like, hey, I'm interviewing for this role. Like, what do you feel like is, what do you feel like is like a standard salary that I should ask for coming in at this level for this type of company? And a lot of times I get really good insights from those current employees that I can then leverage for negotiation. Now, when it comes to actual negotiation, this actually needs to happen between your verbal offer and when you get the final offer. So when you get that verbal offer, right, you just, you killed that final round interview and the recruiter's like, hey, I want to talk to you. I got some news for you. Okay, great. Come to that meeting prepared. Like, do not take that meeting when you're driving, when you're on your way somewhere else. Like, make sure you're in a quiet place where you can really take the call because you want to take notes on everything that they're telling you. A lot of times in those verbal offers, they're telling you exactly what your offer is in terms of your full compensation package, your potential start dates. Like they're giving you a lot of information. I think sometimes people go onto those calls unprepared or not really ready to take notes and ask questions. That is such a crucial time because this is now going to kick off your leverage to be able to negotiate for more. So after you get that verbal offer, you're not accepting that offer. You're not saying, yep, yeah, I'm ready to take this. Yep, yeah, thank you so much. No. You're saying, thank you so much for this opportunity. I would love five business days to be able to finish out some of my other final round interviews and get back to you. Would it be best to contact you over email or phone? That's how you end up a verbal offer call. Not, oh, I'm so excited. No, you're not telling them anything because you don't want to give off any signals that you are accepting the offer as is. Because between your verbal offer and when you get the final offer letter, that's when you're going to come back. That's right. That's when you're going to review all of this information that you have, talk to other sources, and then kind of see based on what they're offering you, do I feel like there's more room for me to potentially negotiate for more? And there always is. Do not take the first offer that's given to you, right? Anytime you're given a first round offer, it probably means that there's more money, opportunity, and options on the table. But if you don't ask, you won't get so some, some great things I love to negotiate for, for beyond base salary, sign-on bonuses, especially if you're leaving money behind, um, try to get a bonus, try to get a make good bonus, a sign-on bonus, always negotiate your start date if you can, right? Try to take time off in between finishing an old job and starting a new one if you can, 
um, at least a week to be able to center yourself and rest is super important. Um, I, I'd like to ask about vacation time and especially if you're leaving a company that had a more generous policy, see if you can potentially add some of those days into your first round of working. Um, and really just, again, thinking about the things that you need, right? If you need certain stipends, if you're going to be fully remote, ask about a home office stipend. If you're going to be hybrid, ask about a home office stipend, ask about internet stipends, ask about all of these things that, you know, again, sometimes are just taken for granted, but a lot of times only get offered if people ask. So those would be my recommendations in terms of negotiating and then have a script. That That's probably my last tip. Have a script. Don't feel like you got to go in like guessing on what to say. I love to look at, um, you know, blogs like the Muse for negotiation scripts. And usually I'll just print it out and say it verbatim, especially if I'm over the phone and they can't see me. You know, I can I can pretty much say whatever I want. I've also negotiated through email. I've sent what my, you know, what the things that I wanted to negotiate over email and listed those out um, and, you know, was able to communicate there. Um, I will just say one red flag is that if a company is like pressuring you to sign an offer letter, that's a huge red flag. Like side of negotiations, it's a legally binding document. So you need time to be able to review what's being offered to you before you sign. So if someone's pressuring you to sign or saying, oh, this offer is going to go away if you don't sign in the next 24 hours, like that's a pressure, that's a that's a pressure tactic and they should not be using that against you. So that would be my other tip that like, don't feel like you don't have the time to be able to come back to them with what you need um, and to be able to ask questions and, and ask for more. I feel like you're really giving people what they, what they want and what they need. I feel I actually had a question just from your response was, I know that, a lot of companies now are doing salary transparency. So a lot of times when you're looking at these job descriptions, they have the salary range on the application. And I feel that, that it's a great thing that you can see going into it, what they're willing to pay. But would you say that there is still room for negotiation, even though they put the salary range inside of the description, the job description? Yes, you should always negotiate for more. Even if the salary is being posted, one, you have no idea where your offer is actually going to land within the, that range. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes these companies are still posting really huge ranges. So you just never know where your offer is going to land. But yes, absolutely. Even though the salary range is being offered, is being posted, that's still base salary, right? And, and my previous answer, I listed out some of those things that you can negotiate for in addition to that. So even if the base salary isn't going to move in your offer, you might be able to negotiate a bonus or additional equity or a different start date or another stipend to be able to cover other things. Pretty much anything that you're leaving behind on the table from a previous job that's going to make it difficult for you to sign that offer, you need to bring to your new employer and say, this is what I need, um, you know, to be able to enthusiastically sign this offer and join the company. Um, you know, what can we do to close this gap? Mm -hmm. One thing that I really like about what you're saying in the standpoint, the stance that you're you're taking is that, yes, you're interviewing for this job, but they're also being interviewed as well. Um, and, Period. Yeah. And so I, I really like that you are kind of changing that mindset because sometimes when you're in a job and you're like, I just need to get out of this situation, like you're willing to, you're willing to sort of take what you can get. And, and yeah. the way that you're explaining it is like, you no, know, because the next position that you take should be good for your mental. It should be good for your career development. So these are the questions that you need to ask going into it. And also don't be afraid that like, you know, this may be 
a, a great position on paper, but if you're in there in the interview and it's not for you, then it's just not for you. It's time to move on. I'm so glad that you said that, Amber, because, you know, I can really speak to that. I know what it's like to be in a job where you are so desperate to leave. Like, I know what it's like to work in an environment that's caused you work-related depression. Like, I've literally gone through that where I just kind of lost all motivation. Like, I remember calling multiple friends and colleagues, like, almost in tears, being like, I need to get out of this job. I know that it is so harmful for me. Like, I don't even recognize myself in terms of the work that I'm doing and who I am in this job. So I know firsthand how desperation can make you feel like I'm just going to take the first thing coming. And I'll tell you right now, having faith in those moments that what you want and what you want to get out of that next role, that is going to propel you so much further. If I had let desperation just kind of put me wherever I was supposed to place I would have never made it to PayPal I would have never made the money that I made that would allow me to now be now being able to take time off from a nine to five and work full-time on a career right like so my life holistically changed when I believed in myself and believed that what I wanted was not unattainable right I didn't work a fully remote job I wasn't making the money kind of money that I was making I just like put it all out there and then said I was not going to settle that these were the bare minimum things that I was willing to accept in addition to you know, anything else would just be icing on the cake. And it took a while, right? I, I, this was back in 2021. It took me six months to land the job at PayPal. But when I did, I actually got more than what I was claiming. Like I had claimed, oh, I would love to make this salary and be full remote. And when I got the final, when I got that actually off offer, and of course I negotiated for more, like it doubled my total compensation. It opened me up to having stock. I got a sign-on bonus. I was making $186,000. Like, it just was, it was such a realization that everything I had kind of gone through up until that moment was worth it. And yes, those months that I felt in the felt that I spent in the job search while I was also still really eager to get out of that job, it was tough, but ultimately it paid off tremendous dividends for me, for my finances, for my career prospects, for my journey now as a creator. So I would say don't let desperation put you into a place where you're going to have to play small, where your money is not going to be where you want it to be. Um, it's just not worth it. And truthfully, there is so much abundance and so many opportunities out here, even in this job market, that you don't have to settle. You don't. Hi, Sunia. My name is Marion. I'm 61 years old, and I work in the nonprofit world in educational advocacy. My question for you today is that when I talk to my friends who are my age, there are a lot of women who held off on their career goals for many reasons and are now playing catch up, not only professionally, but financially as well. In what direction would you point them to receive the information they need to secure their futures? Oh, I love this question. Um, and I love this question because I, I think that there is this idea that when you get to a certain age in your career that you don't have any prospects. But the reality is, when I think about someone like Marion and her friends, they have a wealth of knowledge that could be put towards more strategic, more consultative, and you know, more higher level thinking. And that's really what organizations need, right? Yes, they need folks like us who are bringing you know, our energy and skill set but, you know, that will never compare to someone who's had a 25 or 30 year career and has seen a lot of different 
um, you know, changes and, and been able to kind of pivot and bounce back from those things. Like that's a skill set in itself. So my, my recommendation would be that, you know, women of all ages, I think we have to truly push past events and narrative that, you know, we should be happy with what we have, that we shouldn't ask for more and that we shouldn't demand more. So no matter where you are in your career, I think all of us have to come to the plate really wet, really ready to demand what it is that we're worth. So I think even if you are someone who is, you know, more mature in your career, I think that looks like one, really doing an assessment of like what your skill sets really are. Because if you've worked 10, 15, 20, 25 years, things might start to feel jumbled in terms of like your true skill set, right? So I think getting really clear on that, right? Doing some reflection on what do I feel like are my top skills? When I think about my role today, um, you know, do I feel like that I'm utilizing all these skills or do I feel like there are additional skills that maybe I've gained in other projects or, you know, in past roles that I don't have here? I think really getting clear on that and having that on paper is super important. Then I think from there, I think it's about, especially if you are someone like Marion, who probably has a really wide network. I think it's about like letting people in your network do some of the heavy lifting for you. I think that we also all have this idea that like, oh, technology is booming. I need to be using AI. I need to be putting my resume everywhere. But a lot of times that next position, that next opportunity might be right within our network. But if we are not actually telling people who are decision makers across our network that, hey, I'm open to opportunities, or I would love to learn more about what your team is doing, or, you know, are you guys hiring for consultants? I feel like I have a skill set that I could really bring and help shape what you guys are doing. They won't be able to help you, right? And I don't just mean you put out a post on LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm open to work. I mean, like having those conversations with those individuals that, you know, yeah, I did work on a project with that person, so-and-so, or I did remember that so-and-so is leading up a team at that company. I Let me reconnect with them, right? I think a lot of times we forget that there are opportunities right at the tip of our nose, but if people don't know that we're open to them, out of sight, out of mind, right? Um, I think that's another big tip. And then I think I think the third tip is, I think really just kind of doing some getting, I think all women, we can get just comfortable with understanding what roles and opportunities are out there for our skill set. So if you've done the work of reflecting on what top skills you have, actually put that into some tools like LinkedIn, put that onto some remote and tech job boards and really see like what companies are out here hiring. I think a lot of times as women, especially we are not always given the freedom to be able to ideate on where we want to take our careers, right? It's, I have my degree in this, my master's degree in this, I've only ever done this, so I can only ever be on this pathway, right? But there might be all these other jobs that are looking for people with our skill set, but we've just never been exposed to it. So I love to encourage people to research, right? To actually like use tools like LinkedIn, some of these other job boards. I love using tools like remote.co, built-in.com, for example, hire tech ladies, because a lot of times these job boards are culminating from a lot of different companies that maybe you've never even heard of. And they can be, you know, tech companies, startup companies, and just companies in more diverse industries that could be hiring for the skills that you have. I think doing that research and that discovery is also super important. So before you kind of just set your sights on, yep, I need to make more money. And I'm just going to keep doing the thing that I always did. Take some time to say, well, actually, I have all the, I have skills that are transferable to things outside of the industry that I'm working on. Why don't I do some research, talk to some people over here and kind of see, well, based on my years of experience and the, and the experience that I have, you know, what roles do I feel like I can also pivot into? Um, and not being afraid of that pivot, no matter what age you're at. So are you finding that um, I, I talk to women that are older and 
a lot of them say that companies want somebody younger, somebody that's more of a digital native, somebody that they can that they don't have to pay as much money to because they're just starting out in their careers. Are you finding do you ever hear those things on your end? Do, do you think, think that's when, something that's holding um, older generations back from reaching their career goals in the same? I think absolutely. I think ageism is unfortunately, I think very much something that keeps workers of all ages back, right? I mean, I think we hear the same thing for early grads who feel like I can't get hired because I, you know, no one's, everyone wants three to five years of experience. I'm just fresh into the workforce. Uh, I think there are a couple ways to be able to work around that. I think one, removing removing your graduation years from your LinkedIn, from your resume, I think is one way to be able to <laughs> be able to cut through that noise and not immediately show up markers of your age. I think that's one. I think two, I think matching the skill set and the right level. I think oftentimes where I've when I've worked with um, folks through finance who were a bit more mature near their careers, the problem that was also holding them back was they were un, they weren't claiming those more senior positions. Mm. So, you know, they were trying to kind of fit all of their skills and all their years of experience into roles that were truthfully too junior for them. So it's like, you know, you might not get that feedback if you are truly putting yourself up for the director level, the associate VP, the VP roles, you know, the consult, you know, consultant roles, the strategic advisor roles, right? Like those are the roles that actually are well suited with your years of experience and your seniority. Mm -hmm. um, so let's focus on those and then understand, are there actually skills gaps? Because a lot of times there aren't. And then now let's just make sure that we're getting in front of a real human and not just allowing, you know, criteria or metric or technical parameters to keep you out just because, you know, someone has bias towards, <laughs> towards, you know, older employees. Let's actually get you on the phone with some folks and be able to, you know, highlight that you have all the skills that they're looking for. And because you are, you know, a mature employee, you don't need the same level of handholding and training that right. someone more junior might need, right? You, you can actually come in and add value day one. And at the end of the day, that's what all employers want is for someone to be coachable and be able to take things under their reign and, and move the business forward. Um, so I think sometimes like those like perspective shifts have helped um, people just kind of like break through some of the some of the boxes they kind of felt like they were in career wise. I love that. What's next for Flynance? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm really excited that Flynance is. For me personally, I'm excited to be able to start sharing my own voice on the interwebs. Like, um, so the Flydance podcast is coming. That's Yay. something I'm super excited about. I was like, yes. am I going to have to say it or is she going to? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to. I am saying it. We're claiming it here. Yes. Uh, the Flydance podcast is coming. So super excited uh, to just expand, you know, my career set and skill set that way. Like I've never hosted my own podcast. So that's going to be exciting. Um, for finance, I'm also excited for more in-person experiences um, where, you know, our community can come together and learn. I feel like we, when I think about the nine to five hotties, we are a tremendous force. And I feel like we have so much value that we can give to one another. So, you know, that's something I'm excited to, to build and help curate that it's like, you know, it's definitely got its start on social media, but I feel like social media can be limiting when it really comes to building true community. So my hope is that finance can also be, um, you know, an incubator for more community building amongst amongst like-minded women um, that we can support each other, build 
build accountability with one another, hold each other accountable, um, but also learn and grow together. Because I think, you know, if we aren't looking out for one another, then what's the point of doing all this, right? We, we got to be building as we climb. Um, and also in-person experiences. So I, I would love to just meet more of the hotties, you know, in real life. So hopefully more, more in-person events, in-person experiences, uh, the Rich Pat Girl Summit is coming back in 2024. That's like an international retreat that I host every, every, every other year. So I got a lot of exciting things. Stay tapped into flying ants because we, we always doing something, getting to the All bag. Right. I'm ready. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. So before I let you go, I want to play a rapid fire game. You can give me one word or you can give me a sentence, but I just want to hear what you have to say to these fun questions. Okay. All right. Cool. So you're everyone's virtual mentor. Who is yours? <laughs> uh, my mentor, one of my mentors is my business coach, Jakaya Brownshaw. Um, and she's always been just like a source of inspiration for me and someone that's just kind of helped me like get the confidence to kind of be who I feel like I am today as a business owner. How, like, how did you meet and how proud is she right now to see where you Oh, I used today? to like stalk her on Instagram. Like before I ever reached out, before I even had a brand, I would like, I just loved her story. Like we just have such similar like ideas around like life and entrepreneurship and building wealth. And she lives outside the United States. And I just was always kind of just drawn to her story. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been working together now since 2021. So, I mean, she's, she calls me one of her stars. So I love that. <laughs> I love her. Love her. Where's the next yeah. place you plan on traveling? The next place I'm traveling to is Turks and Caicos. Actually, my birthday is this week. So oh. I am going to Turks and Caicos for my birthday. Okay, yeah. Leo, Leo season. That's Period. Awesome. Wait, what, what, what day? What day is your birthday? The 23rd, July 23rd. Oh, stop. My sister's birthday is July 23rd. That's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Um, what does the next stage in your career look like? I think the next stage of my career looks like, um, I think expanding my skill set probably beyond the industries that I've only ever worked in. So I probably will go back to a nine to five. And I think for, for me, I think my career looks like supporting my purposeful work. Mm -hmm. So maybe it doesn't look like having such a strong front seat in the career that I, you know, go back to, but I think understanding that my purposeful work is what I really feel called to do. Um, so everything in my career needs to lean back to that. So whether it's going back to another nine to five, whether it is, you know, doing this full time, if it's not actually helping me drive the impact and purpose, then it's, it's not for me. Right. So that's kind of, that's how I'm thinking about my career in terms of, you know, do I want to go back to a nine to five? I'm thinking about it, but at the end of the day, it has to align with the space that I need to be able to still show up with finance and do the work that I feel like I'm being called to do. Um, even with finance, I mean, that also means like saying no to things that I feel like don't really serve my community. You know, I'm not just here to get a check. I am here to, you know, help and support the nine to five hotties. So if it's not aligned with that, I don't care how much money you throw on my face. Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not selling out my community just for dollars. Like I, I really do feel like I'm here to, to help people learn and grow in the same ways that I have. If you could write a book, what would it be about? <laughs> Uh, if I could write a work a book, it would be about carbon these. <laughs> um, no, if I if I wrote a book, no, please, we need that one. <laughs> I, I would love to write like the spiciest book around like 
not only manifesting the life that you want, but just like being like, just embodying that like boss ass bitch energy. Like, it's like, I feel like we have a lot of personal finance books out there. That would definitely be part of it. But it's like, get to the bag. It's like a full frontal reincarnation. Like we need the confidence, but then it's also about setting the boundaries. It's also about manifesting what it is that you want. It's about having that clear vision, that same vision that I had at 22, 23 years old when, you know, here I was being a young black woman and, you know, people kind of looking at me like, who are you to say that you're going to do the things that you say you want to do? But me having the vision to say now, fast forward five or six, seven years later, I did all of that. And then some, right. So that would be what the book would be about. It would just be like a bad bitch's guide to get in the bag, securing the bag and, you know, not disrupting your peace. Cause at the end of the day, if you're doing all of those things, that's only those, those only goals. That's the only flex that I want to see. When I see the bad bitches that I know are really whole and that are really, you know, and are really claiming what it is that they want, not just because they see it on social media, not just because so and so, not just because they think a man wants them to do it. Those are the girls that I want to be like. That part, and that will be a New York Times bestseller. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the best advice anyone's ever given you? Oh. I know. I, I actually hate that question, but like, um, I feel like you have a lot of good advice so you could like drop some. I'm like so drawing a blank right now. I, I feel like I've gotten so much good advice over the years. Um, but, you know, I think some of the best advice that I think I still hold true to today is like, you know, is you, you got to get ready so you can stay ready. Like, I can't, I can't tell you the number of times where, whether that was like in my nine to five or even now being a creator, where it's like not being prepared, like the difference between being prepared and being underprepared is what led me to those new opportunities. What led me to those new conversations is what led me to those new, like, just also like eureka moments for myself. And I think sometimes like people just like don't show up the right way. Like, it's like, if this is your moment, whether it's like, this is the project you've been working on and now you are giving the presentation to your boss. Come correct. You know, if you're a creator and you've been invited to something and no, you may not know everyone else, but like, come correct. Like, what are you doing to be able to be remembered, to be memorable, to make those connections so that people can say, oh my God, I did meet that person. Like, wow, you know? And I think that's in every part of your life. What, you know, so I, I think that's been some of the best advice that I think I just continue to carry with me that it's like, no one's going to tell you how to go the extra mile to be remembered, to be respected, to be seen as a thought leader. So it's really up to you to come into those moments ready to shine. That it's like, oh, they didn't give me no, they, they didn't give me no, um, you know, parameters on what I could and couldn't do it. Oh, I'm gonna do the most. Because mm -hmm. one thing about me, y'all not gonna play me in my face. Like, you're gonna know that Tania Finance was here and left her mark. It's giving Leo. Um, this is very Leo energy. <laughs> and I love it. I am here for it. Where can people find out about you? People can find out about me on my website, flynance.com, F-L-Y-N-A-N-C-E-D.com. All of my links to all my things are there. Um, of course, on Instagram, instagram.com uh, forward slash fly dot N-A-N-C-E-D. 
Don't ask me why there's a period in my finance name. I did something way back when, and now I can't fix it. Um, but I'm finance across all other platforms. And yeah, tune in. I think the best way to kind of like be able to learn from me is to be able, it's to take my free quiz. I'll give you personalized advice on where you are in your career journey and kind of give you direction on what to do next. Um, you know, stay tuned to my free game Fridays. I do a weekly newsletter where I'm just serving up the free game on what you need to know about taking advantage of your career, cool events happening, people that you should know that you should follow, et cetera. Um, and then stay tuned for the Finance Podcast. I'm coming to the airways real soon. Thank you, Sunia. That's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea. Tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out their aha moments that launched their businesses. Today's episode featured Sania El Amin, founder of Flynance. You can support her business by taking one of her courses on Flynance.com and by following her on Instagram and TikTok at Flynance. That's spelled F-L-Y dot N-A-N-C-E-D. We're building a community of support here on A Bright Idea, so follow her on Instagram, give her reviews, and tell all your friends. You can listen to A Bright Idea podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, I'm Amber Key.